Well, due to my reckless ambition last week of trying to make it through the entire chapter of Romans 8, I failed epically. (laughs) So if you would take out your Bibles on your phone or hard copies, and I really want to encourage you, please, do it yourself. It's going to be on the screen for those who maybe don't have a phone and a hard copy. But if you have a Bible or a phone, a device in your reach, please do that. There are some Bibles in the rows. If you don't have a Bible to call your own, take it home. Use it. Let it change your life. Phew. Romans 8. Romans 8. It's in the New Testament after the book of Acts before 1st and 2nd Corinthians and page 943 on my Bible. (laughs) Some of you got that. If you don't know, the theme of Romans, the theme of Romans is all about this. The revelation of God's judging Sorry about that. Judging of sin and saving righteousness. Book of Romans, all of it, is about the revelation of God's judging of sin and saving righteousness. We we learned last week that none of us is righteous on our own accord. We're dead in sin, hostile to God. No one longs for God. And that's where this whole picture of the gospel message comes into play. In the cross of Christ. In the cross of Christ. There's one in the lobby with all the nails from over 500 people that came through the Good Friday walk through this past year. In the cross of Christ, God judges sin and yet at the same time manifests his Saving mercy. There is a judgment for sin. Don't get that wrong. Every person on planet earth will stand before the judgment of God for our sin. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Even you. Even you, if you think you have it all together, there is no one righteous. But Jesus became the righteousness of God. And he took on human form, the likeness of our human bodies. He was the incarnation of God. And he took on your sin and my sin because he was the righteousness of God. He was the only pure sacrifice that could ever atone. And what I mean by atone is simply pay for the penalty of yours and my sin. And because Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised from the dead. He can be our righteousness and we can actually now have hope as we stand before the judgment throne of God and say, I am guilty 
of all that sin. And that's when Jesus steps in front and says, so am I. Because I took his sin and I pardoned it with my blood. And God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into paradise for all of eternity and be with me. That's how salvation works. And that's the theme of Romans. We were in Romans 8 last week and we are this week uh, today. And uh, I'd like to go back just a couple chapters. So if you would turn to uh, Romans 5. Romans 5. And I just want to recap what we learned or what we uh, were taught last Sunday through Romans 8. And I thought it would be great instead of just rereading Romans 8. Why don't we find another passage in Romans that reiterates or affirms the gospel message that Paul is writing in Rome? And it says this in verse 18. Therefore, wait, what did we learn last week? What is it there for? Okay, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life of all men. So what is he saying? I'm confused. Well, you're probably confused because he's saying, therefore, because of something, this is happening. So let's go back to verse 17 in Romans that he says, therefore, says, for if... Now that we could even stop there and say, what is he saying for if? You go back another verse. But we're not going to do that today. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Adam. Sin. Father of all humankind. Okay? How much more? Not how much. Much more. Will those who receive the abundance of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Favor that you or I don't deserve. Of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is this. Therefore, because God came and paid for the sin of our lives. Therefore, as one sin led to condemnation, what does Romans 8 start with? Verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not for just those who say they love God. Go to church three times a week. Give 10%. He's saying those who are in Christ Jesus. So here it's saying, as one sin led to condemnation, one, it only takes one, for all men, so one act of righteousness, Jesus, the gospel message, leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience that many were made sinners, we're all sinners in ourselves and in our flesh, so by the one man... Jesus' obedience, the many will be made righteous. That's how Romans 8 starts off. That's why those in Christ Jesus can worship like you worship today. It's because 
there is no condemnation. You are forgiven. You are free. And you are made the righteousness of God. If that gets in you, I promise you, you will start to smile much bigger. And you will begin to worry about much less. Because you know that you are the righteousness of God. I shared this slide, this quote last week, and I rushed through it. So I wanted to share it again with you to understand what Paul is saying here in all of Romans, but specifically Romans 8. This is really important for us to not just read it and say, hmm, that's pretty good. But to really allow it to activate with our spirit to where it comes alive and is birthed in our lives to where then application is the byproduct. Being in Christ. Would you say those three words with me? Being in Christ. One more time. Being is a miracle. It's supernatural. It is nothing that you can do to make it happen. Except let it happen. It's transformation from God. From God. From God. Uniting us to Christ. And awakening our faith which then leads to no condemnation. Of our sin through the power of the, say those two words, Holy Spirit who gives us life. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Remember what Daniel Brown was saying? These Chinese students and citizens, people, children of God. They enter into a relationship with God. And they're changed and transformed to where the cost of losing their identity, their shame, not their identity in Christ, but their identity of who they thought they were, shame, friendships, family, their visa, their degree, which means everything in their culture, they freely, willingly lay that down. God did. It's not just something he did or does. It's something that lives within everyone who believes this and receives life. So you're probably looking at this slide and just asking, being in Christ, am I, am I a Christian? Have I ever truly experienced Christ's forgiveness and his saving power? Some of you are at the latter part of your life. And you're asking yourself, how do I know if Christ is really in me? Because I want to know. You can know today. By this, how are you confident and sure that you're in Christ Jesus? 
And it's this. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Christian name tag is not going to cut it. Leather-bound Bible with your name engraved in it. It's not going to cut it. A chair in the church pew with your butt impression in it from a hundred years <laughs> sitting in that same seat is not going to cut it. It's your heart and your spirit was bought with a price and pursued recklessly by a God who loves you. And all you have to do is die to your sin and say yes to life, Jesus Christ. And there is a supernatural experience that is not up to you because grace is not your own doing. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes your dead sin, your dead, dead sin. And he takes that spirit that was born of flesh in your first breath of breathing oxygen. I'll never forget that. You remember moms and dads, your baby taking the first breath? And the sound that is the most amazing sound to a mother's ears, for the first time that is, and then every other time it's just annoying, right? But it's that cry. I'm alive. I can breathe. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. You take your first breath. And the Holy Spirit that gives life, that gives understanding, that gives you counsel and comfort and shows you the way of God, ways of God. Now you're a new person. And if that's you and you've experienced that when you read the scripture and it talks about that new life and new creation, you know because you are breathing a new life. And so let's look at Romans 8 verse 9 through 10. You, however, are not in the flesh. I'd, I'd like to just maybe take a, 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 a very small rabbit trail. And I mean small. <laughs> Some of you are of the belief that people are born just the way they are. And that's enough justification for them to act out who they think they are. I'm not just talking about the main subject that comes to your minds of sexual identity. I'm talking about people who justify their pride and arrogance. That's just the way I am. It's the way God made me. You have severe anxiety. Well, that's just all I know. For as long as I can remember, I've just been like this. It's how God made me. No, it's not. Stop it. <laughs> no, it's not. It's how the world made you. 
Because when you're born out of your mother's womb, hopefully all of you have come out of some mother's womb. (laughs) And you took your first breath. You breathed in the sinful flesh. And if you let it as you grow up, this is why mom and dad, this is so important to disciple. Teach your children about Jesus and their true identity. If you're not, start now. Start now. I'm so excited for our next generation ministries. Yes, we've been kind of at a halt. There's been some changes that have been made. But I tell you what, the changes, I believe God's going to take it and use it for his greater good. We have to trust that. So your kids aren't just back there somewhere. Your kids are being discipled and taught that Jesus loves them and has a plan for them. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because the reality is, we get 40 hours as a church with your kid. That's if you come to church more than once a month. I love you. I'm not not judging you. It's just the reality. Satan, by the way, is the one that created Sunday sports. I just want to let you know. (laughs) This is a long rabbit trail. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, you have over 3,000 hours with your children. That's not... That's outside of school and sleep. What are you doing with those 3,000 hours, mom and dad? Because when they get of the age, when they start to see things on the computer screen, mom and dad, if your kids are 8 to 10 years old, they're already seeing pornographic images on the screen. Do you know that even on regular cable TV, the average child sees Over 40 sexual images on the TV local stations a day. Who controls their time watching TV? My kid watches TV every day, okay? In the morning. It's how I can actually get my reading, (laughs) my Bible time done. It's not bad. I'm just saying we as parents need to disciple our kids because then when they go off to college and they decide for themselves, this is the way I am. This is the way I was created. And mom and dad are okay with it. It's not the way they were created. It's their sinful flesh. And they need to be recreated into the image of Christ. Now we're back. The image of Christ That is what it's all about. If you don't figure out in this life that the image of Christ is what we're to become, it's going to be a major wake-up call when we enter the gates of heaven. You, however, are not in the flesh, but the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So how do you know in Christ the Spirit of God lives in you? Well, I've never spoken tongues. I've never had the heebie-jeebies. Is that the Spirit of God? No, that's called emotional response that sometimes is led by the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that everyone experiences the Holy Spirit the same way. Yes, there are physical and emotional manifestations of the Spirit of God. It's the presence of God in you. 
God dwells in you. But it's a spirit thing. It's not a physical, emotional, mental thing. It's a spirit thing. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. It's black or white here. It's not gray. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, because of sin, the spirit is life and righteousness. That's how you know. And when you are alive in the Holy Spirit, yes, you live in the flesh. And so, yes, you're going to mess up. Yes, you are going to sin. Wake up. The truth. You're going to mess up. But that doesn't mean the Spirit of God no longer exists and dwells in you. It just means that you have pushed him and pressed him down and down and down and down. And then you get what you create in your life. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm still here. I bought you with a price. But you've got to let me work. You've got to let me live your life through my power. That is Holy Spirit living. And so I'd like to uh, look at about five or six points on ways that you can know that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, that means you're in Christ. Okay, so let's look at the first one. We come alive in our true identity. Here's the thing. Think of five Christians, five people that say they're Christians in your life, including yourself. You have to put yourself in there. Think of five Christians and ask ask this. Are they alive and walking in their true identity in Christ? You may not even know what that means, and that's okay. Are they saying, you know what? I can never get it right. I'm a failure. Or are they saying, there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus, and I'm a more than a conqueror, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Or do you have someone who is just, do you know, Christian, that... They just don't understand that they're a king or a queen, a royalty in God's family. And they have authority. Do you know Christians who are just getting beat up left and right, struggling with depression, struggling with discouragement, struggling with anxiety and worry? It doesn't mean that they're not in Christ. It means that they have forgotten who they are. And this is what I love in John, it's not going to be on the screen, but John, in the book of John, chapter 6, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit, instructing us on the truth about who we are. Listen to this, if if, if you'd like to read it later, go ahead and um, write this down, it's actually chapter 16, John 16, verse 13. When the Holy Spirit of truth, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes upon you, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's going to draw you to the written truth, the documentation of the things of God. 
This is not God. This is a vehicle to learn more about God and who you are in God. Follow? So we need to come alive. Come alive. In knowing that we are chosen and we are loved and we are children of the Almighty God. And if for God be against us, who could be, or if God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Why? Because we're His. We're protected. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1. So we come alive. Let me ask you. Are you walking in your true identity from day to day? Do you really understand that if you are in Christ, do you understand who you are? That's a big deal. You want the spirit to work in you. Start understanding who you are. Number two. Number two. The mindset of freedom. Guys. We walk around like we are enslaved to fear and lies of the enemy. What would happen to our church if we started to have a mindset of freedom It says this in scripture, that because Christ has set you free, you are free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ died for you. How's your freedom going? And I'm not talking about your workplace. I'm not talking about the things that are happening to you. What's happening in you? Are you walking in freedom? Are you walking in freedom? So we come alive in our true identity and that leads us, the Holy Spirit leads us into walking in freedom. In freedom. The third one is we grow more and more into the image of Christ. I mentioned that earlier. Into the image of Christ. You are of flesh. We will never be fully like Christ until our earthly bodies are transformed into heavenly bodies and we become in the fullness of Christ Jesus. That's what Ephesians 3 says. I'll actually get to that in a minute. We grow more and more like Christ. The biblical term for that is sanctification. But you don't need to remember that. Just remember, I need to look. I want to look more and more like Christ Jesus. And the only way to do that is to be in Christ. And the only way to be in Christ is the Holy Spirit has set you free and is dwelling inside of you. Can I get an amen? Thank you. 2 Corinthians 3, one of my favorite scripture verses is this. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces, the Holy Spirit revealing that veil of unbelief, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed, say transformed, into his likeness from glory to glory, glory to glory. One step, one step, one step, one step. Being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's a Spirit thing. How are you being transformed into the likeness 
of Jesus in this season. Number four, how can we know that we are in Christ and living by the Spirit? We produce fruit. Each of you is like a tree, and whether you like it or not, you're going to produce good fruit or bad fruit or no fruit, which is bad. Who wants a tree? There's a small apple tree I tried growing in my yard, and I had two of them, and one's thriving, and this one's dead, and it's just going to be a matter of days for me to just take it out of the ground because it's not doing anything. It's not even bearing leaves anymore. It's useless. I have to actually run my tractor around it. I'm wasting 15 seconds of my day over something that's dead. Come on. The fruit of the Spirit, if it's in you, will produce spiritual fruit. Galatians chapter 5, write that down. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. First it says, walk not according to the flesh, but stay in step with the Spirit of God. The flesh wants to go here. The flesh wants to go here. It's saying stay in step with the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh is at war with the Spirit and the Spirit is at war with the flesh. You cannot serve two masters. You have to stay in step with the Spirit in order to produce the fruit of the Spirit. I witnessed this in my staff this week, these last couple weeks. As you know, it's been a difficult journey for a lot of us. By the way, I'll just say a plug. If you have no idea what we're talking about and you weren't here two Sundays ago when we gave a special announcement, I'd like for you to see one of um, me, Pastor Daniel, or one of the elders in front or in the lobby. We'd love to get you on the same page so that there's no rumors or gossip or you're just not understanding what's happening. But anyways, our staff showed me the fruit of the Spirit this week. We could have easily been frustrated and with different situations going on in their lives, they could have been discouraged and frustrated and bitter and angry and selfish and prideful. And yet, I saw every staff member this week broken before the Lord, asking the Lord to bring forgiveness, to bring love, to bring truth. And I began to see the Spirit of God just produce fruit in them. That's a Holy Spirit thing. That is not something that Tiffany, Pastor Daniel, Brent, or myself can do on our own. It's a Spirit thing. What fruit are you producing? Galatians then says, the fruit of the Spirit is this. Oh, so it gives us an answer. You want to know you're in Christ? Follow this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Can you, can you just humor me? Can you say love? Love. Can you say joy? Joy. Can you say peace? Can you say patience? Can you say kindness? Can you say goodness? Can you say gentleness? Can you say faithfulness? And self-control. The Holy Spirit wants to produce that fruit in you. Will you let him? Because the fruit of the flesh Man, I love when God talks. 
Fruit of the flesh is in James 3. It says, the fruit of the flesh that comes down from this world, not from heaven, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's the fruit of the flesh. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What are you producing? The next one. I'm almost done, sweetheart, I promise. Confidence and trust. Do you trust that what God says is going to happen? Do you trust that God is truly in control? Yes, but. Right? Yes, but. Do you really have a confidence that God knows more about you than you know of yourself? And he's got you when you fall. And the circumstances that come into your life that are absolutely horrible and terrifying and traumatic can be used for good? Do you believe that? Because the Bible says it. Romans 28. Excuse me, Romans 8, 28. The people, people have this tattooed on their arms. And we know that for those who love God, let's rephrase that. And we know for those who are in Christ, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, there's a translation that I just love of this. And it says, not all things work together for good says, in all things, God works for good. Some stuff that you're going through right now in life is very sucky and crappy and not good. It's not good. How can God be in that if it's not good? It's because in all things, God will take the broken mess in your life and make it something so incredible. And something so beautiful. Right, Zeke? Yeah. That's the God we serve. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Men, the men gathered this weekend at dude night. And dude, it was awesome. And we got uh, wristbands. Not bracelets. Not a man thing. <laughs> wristbands. And it's got a Hebrew word on it. And the word is Tim Shell. Tim Shell. Probably pronouncing it wrong. But it means the power of choice. The power of choice. Thou shall rule over and govern. Thou mayest. Meaning that we have a choice. So here it is guys. And gals. God in his great love for us. Gifted us with the power of choice. The power to choose the path and trajectory for our lives. And ultimately the power to choose God or not. When we choose God, we receive the love and freedom we were made for. But when we choose sin, we receive the pain and the bondage that comes with a cruel master. Because of Jesus, victory over sin on the cross, we can have victory over sin in our lives, no condemnation. And the ability to choose has been restored. So what will you do with your choices today? Romans 
8, 29, and 30 is so controversial amongst Christians and theologians today. Whether God just chooses those who are going to be with him completely and we have no choice in it. Or we just, uh, God is just driven by the choices of men and women. That's the, the extreme thing. But I believe here, just like we saw in the video at Dude Night, was a relationship of love cannot happen if there's not a choice to say no or yes. God doesn't force himself on you. But in order to be in Christ and to produce the results of the Holy Spirit, you have to say yes to Jesus and no to sin. Self. And last but not least, results of the Spirit. You come alive. You have the mindset of freedom. You grow more and more into the image of Christ. You produce spiritual fruit. You have confidence and trust. And you learn through the Spirit of how to pray powerfully with results. Amen, Sherry? <laughs> she knows how to pray. And it's not Sherry. It's the Holy Spirit that she's allowed to just have its residence and its being inside of her. Just like so many of you are experiencing this. The powerful prayer with results. Oswald Chambers. He's known for um, um, the uh, utmost for his highest journal devotional. He says this. All your circumstances are in the hand of God. And therefore, you don't ever have to think that they are unnatural or unique. Your part in prayer, say prayer, prayer, prayer is not to agonize over how to pray. I just don't pray. I don't know how to pray. I've never prayed in public. I don't know that. God's saying, stop it. Talk to me. <laughs> just tell me you're glad I'm here. <laughs> talk to me. Grab a cup of coffee and let's sit down and talk. Your part in prayer is not to agonize over how to intercede, but to use the everyday circumstances and people that God puts around you by his providence, by the way, to bring them before his throne and to allow the spirit in you the opportunity to pray for them. In this way, God is going to touch the whole world with his saints. The word saint is not a Catholic term. The word saint means any child of God. In Christ. Our part in prayer is to rely on the Holy Spirit. Do we have Romans 8.26 up there? David, I'm not sure if we do. Yes, thank you. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray. There it is. You should be encouraged today. That's a normal thing. Well, I don't pray like the pastor. Well, I don't pray like Sherry <laughs> or Dennis or Vic or any of the elders. I pray like the Spirit leads me. That's what's important. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit prays 
in groanings too far for words. That's not talking about tongues. It's talking about a spiritual thing that God is in control. Number one, Jesus is on the right hand of the Father of the throne, and he's interceding for you. So if he's interceding for you, the Spirit is going to teach you and show you what to pray as Christ is praying. Imagine that. So next time you pray, can you just say, Holy Spirit, show me what Jesus is praying right now. And watch your life turn upside down, y'all. So with all of this wrapping up Romans 8, I have two questions for you. Question number one. What results are you seeing in your life? Are you seeing spiritual results? Or are you seeing worldly results? Another way to word it is what fruit are you producing? Are you showing and proving to others around you that you are in Christ by allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way? It's called surrender. We let God be God. We tell them we're going to die to ourselves. We're going to pick up our cross and carry it. We're going to continue to focus on Jesus. Man, there's power. There is power when you allow the Holy Spirit to change you. You know why? Because the desire of Christ is for you to look more and more like Jesus. And you can only do that through the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. When you have a vehicle, and when you buy that vehicle off the dealer's lot, you are guaranteed, sort of, you are given the guarantee that that is going to work and run and function as it needs to. And you're on the road and all of a sudden the steering wheel is starting to shake. And your brakes are starting to squeak. And you're getting even, even worse, you're getting some smoke from your hood. What do you do? I really hope you don't keep driving for several weeks longer. Some mechanics are laughing right now. What do you do? Well, first of all, you try to figure it out. Right? You take it somewhere to figure it out. And sometimes, depending on where you take it, they don't even figure it out, right? And if you can't figure it out, you find someone else that can figure it out. And sometimes the vehicle only needs a tune-up. Or removal of brake pads and rotors. <laughs> I have a personal testimony. I can share that later. And sometimes you need a whole new motor or a whole new muffler or a whole new transmission. But the whole goal is you're not going to run in a vehicle, ride in a vehicle that is not working like it should. So why on earth as Christians are you walking without any production of the Holy Spirit working in you? Does that make sense? We need to do a heart check today and say, what are we seeing in our lives? Ask your small group if you're in one or a, a Christian brother or sister and say, what are you seeing in my life? 
And if they start saying, well, I see selfishness, I see you're being really irritable, and you're impatient with your kids, that's not fruit of the Spirit. So the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus is you come to the cross and say, forgive me, Father. And Jesus says, it's done. Go ahead, move in my spirit. What results are you seeing? And lastly, don't check out on me, please. I want to speak to each and every one of you. If not Jesus, then who? If not the Holy Spirit, then who? And if not now, then when? Some of you are just waiting for the right time. The right time is now because you're only guaranteed now. Father, in the name of Jesus, do heart surgery right now.